Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. My name is Jody Sledge. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Fellowship, and it's my joy to be bringing God's Word for us on this Good Friday. Since December of 2021, we've been in the Gospel of Luke. And since January of this year, we've been in the last week before Jesus' death and resurrection. And so week by week, we've been walking through the moments of this Passion Week And tonight we've come to the moment of Jesus' burial. So we're in Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56. This is the word of the Lord. It says this. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had yet ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Let's pray again. Father, we're so thankful for your word tonight. God, we have been walking through the life of Jesus, through the Passion Week of Jesus. We've seen the death of Christ on the cross. And tonight we've come to see his burial. To be reminded vividly that our Savior really did die. He really was killed on a cross for our sins, and He really was buried. So God, would you speak to us tonight as we think about the burial of our Savior, and as we think even beyond the burial to the hope that we have in Him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the events of the past six days were a whirlwind, to say the least. On Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem seated on a donkey. His disciples laid their coats on the ground. The crowds waved palm branches and shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel's new king had arrived into Jerusalem. On Monday, Jesus went to the temple. His zeal for his father's house filled him with holy anger, and he turned over the tables of money. With a whip, he drove out the animals and the merchants from the place of prayer for the nations. On Tuesday, Jesus returned to the temple to teach, and there he debated the religious leaders. On Wednesday, he taught his disciples and prepared himself for what was coming. On Thursday, he gathered with his friends there in the upper room to share the Passover meal with them. And after supper, he rose and washed their feet. When they had finished their meal, they sang a hymn together and they went out to pray. Jesus taught his disciples and told them that he was going away. The hour had come for him to return to the Father. It was now the time for him to be lifted up. And so there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed for his friends and he prayed for us. He prayed that the cup of God's wrath would pass over him. But he knew that his death would be the only way. And so he humbly submitted himself to the Father's will. 
And in that moment, he let the darkness win. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested by the mob of soldiers. He was abandoned by his friends. He was rejected by his people. He was denied by by Peter. He was beaten and mocked. He stood trial six times. And by the time that Friday morning rolled around, Jesus was condemned to death. Death on a cross. He was scourged, which means he was nearly beaten to death. He was led through the city to the place of the skull, and Simon of Cyrene carried his cross. And there outside the city gates, he was nailed to that cross. And amidst the mockery and the cursing and the torture, Jesus spoke from the cross seven times. To his enemies, he said, Father, forgive them. To that criminal crucified next to him, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. To Mary and his disciple John, he said, Behold, woman, your son, behold, your mother. In sorrow, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In anguish, he cried out, I thirst. And under the crushing weight of God's wrath for sin, he cried out, It is finished. His last words were this, and we saw Sunday in Luke. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then the end came. Jesus really died. And that's where Luke picks up the story here in our text tonight. It's about three in the afternoon on Friday, just a few hours before sunset. And Luke tells us in verse 50 about a man named Joseph. We've never seen him before. He's from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was a member of the Jewish council. But Luke tells us he did not consent to their decision to condemn Jesus. Luke tells us he was a good and righteous man looking for the kingdom of God. That meant he was a faithful Jew who was waiting for the coming of God's kingdom. But it meant more than that. He was also someone looking for the kingdom that Jesus was proclaiming. The kingdom he hoped that Jesus would bring. We're not told much about this man, but we can clearly see his devotion to Jesus. Look and listen to verse 52 again. It says, This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Mark's gospel tells us that he was filled with courage as he went. You see, it was common for Romans to give the bodies of executed criminals to family or friends who had asked for proper burial. But Jesus was just condemned by the Jews and the Romans, and this would have been costly for him to ask for the body. But he doesn't care. He wants to honor Jesus. And so he takes Jesus' lifeless body down from the cross. He wraps it in a linen shroud, a common grave cloth for burial, and he lays Jesus to rest in a tomb cut in stone. Matthew tells us that this Joseph was a rich man, and that makes sense. To have a tomb so close to the city, cut out of the rock, would have been very expensive. Joseph would have paid lots of money for this tomb, possibly for himself or for his family. But here he is with the body of Jesus, and he offers this tomb to his Lord. John tells us that Joseph and his friend Nicodemus They anoint the body of Jesus, which would also have been very expensive. 
And they lay the body of Christ in the tomb and seal it with a stone. Now, why do the Gospels tell us this? Why is Luke telling us this? Well, because Jesus is worthy of costly devotion. Luke loves to celebrate and highlight good and righteous people who celebrate Jesus. I mean, if you can remember all the way back to the beginning, Luke begins his gospel with righteous Zechariah and Elizabeth who celebrate and praise the birth of Jesus. We see righteous Simeon and Anna in the temple celebrating baby Jesus. Luke loves to highlight when people overflow with love and devotion to Jesus. Levi, the tax collector, welcomes Jesus and throws him a feast in his honor. The sinful woman welcomed Jesus and she wiped his feet with her tears and her hair. Jesus' whole ministry, Luke tells us in chapter 8, was paid for by a group of devoted women. Mary is praised for her devotion as she sits at the feet of Jesus. The Samaritan leper is praised for returning to Jesus to give thanks for the healing. The blind man is praised for his great faith in Jesus as the son of David. And and Zacchaeus' devotion to Jesus leads him to give away half of his money to the poor and to pay back everything he ever stole from anyone. The whole gospel of Luke is full of people overflowing with costly devotion to Jesus. And so it makes sense that at his death, Jesus meets one last man overflowing with costly devotion. You know, Good Friday is certainly a day to remember the price that Jesus paid for us. But God is speaking to us on this Good Friday, and He wants us to remember that Jesus is worthy of our devotion. Good Friday is not a day to come and feel sorry for Jesus. It's not a day to come and show how religious we are to the world around us. It is a time to remember the call to follow Jesus is costly, and it's worth it. Didn't Jesus teach us in Luke 9, 23, that if anyone would come after him, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him? The, co- the call to follow Christ will cost us, but it's so worth it because Jesus is worth it. Why is Joseph willing to give up this expensive tomb? Because he knows that Jesus is worthy of it. Why is he risking being associated with Jesus? None of the disciples are there risking this. Why is he? Because he knows that Jesus is worthy. Why spend all that money to anoint the body of a man condemned and cursed? Because he is worthy. Jesus did not take up his cross and die so that we could keep living self-seeking, self-serving lives. He carried his cross so that we can carry ours. Jesus died for us so that we might overflow with costly love and devotion for him. So friends, Good Friday is a reminder of the great love that Jesus has for us, but it's also a question for us tonight. Do we love him? Of course he loves us, but do we love him? 
Do our lives overflow with love and devotion for Jesus, even when it costs us? Do we give Jesus our time? Do we give Him our money? Do we give Him our obedience and and our lives and our love and everything that we are? Jesus gave everything for us and He is worthy. So let's be the church that lives like Jesus is worthy. Not just a church that says that He's worthy, but a church that lives like He's worthy. So let's live like Jesus is worthy of costly devotion. So Luke goes on to tell us in verse 54 that the Sabbath was beginning. The day before the Sabbath was called the day of preparation. Since you couldn't work on the Sabbath, you had to prepare food and things so that you could have a day of rest. Now, the Jewish Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday, and it goes until sundown on Saturday. And so it's about five in the evening on Friday, and the Sabbath is about to begin. These women who are following Jesus come to see the body, Luke tells us. And they want to make sure that he has a proper burial. Everything happened so fast, they want to make sure that they honor Jesus in his death. So they go and prepare more spices and more oils for the body. But since the Sabbath is beginning, they're going to have to wait until Sunday morning until they can return to the body. But notice what Luke tells us happened in verse 56. He says, As the sun went down, the Sabbath began, and they rested. Now, just imagine with me what that night must have been like. Imagine what that next Saturday, that Sabbath day, must have been like. Jesus was the promised Messiah. He came proclaiming good news to the poor and liberty to the captives, the year of the Lord's favor. He healed the sick and He calmed the seas. He welcomed the outcast and cast the demons away. He forgave sinners and He gave sight to the blind. He opened the ears of the deaf. He even raised the dead. He was the one who would bring the kingdom of heaven. He was the one who would end oppression. He was the one who would defeat God's enemies. The one who would bring God's eternal blessing. And here he is, dead in the grave. Imagine Mary that night grieving the murder of her son. Imagine Peter weeping for denying his master and his friend. Imagine Pilate restless for condemning a man that he knew was innocent. Imagine the disciples fearful for their own lives. Imagine these women who love Jesus overcome with grief. Imagine the crowds who were crushed because all of their hopes in Jesus were dead and gone. But notice Luke tells us these women are resting according to the commandment. He's talking about the fourth commandment. Listen to Exodus verses 8 through 10. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You see, the Sabbath command was tied to the very first Sabbath day. After six days of creation, on the seventh day, God rested. He had completed all of His work, and so He rested. Luke is drawing our attention to another Sabbath day. Another day when God would complete His work and rest. You see, everyone in the city of Jerusalem that night is restless. But the work of Jesus on the cross is done. And so Jesus is resting. The ransom has been paid. The sacrificial lamb has been slaughtered. The shepherd has laid down his life. The cup of wrath has been poured out. The powers of darkness have been disarmed. The record of debt that stood against us has been canceled. The curtain has been torn. The blood has been shed. The Son of God has been crushed. And it is done. Christ's saving work on the cross is done. And just as God rested from His work, so now Jesus rests from His. So brothers and sisters, God is calling us today to rest in His work too. God's calling us to rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross is done. You see, Jesus doesn't have to, at this point, go to hell and fight some sort of a battle there. He doesn't have to go up to heaven to do some sort of more atoning work to be completed at some later date. Jesus doesn't have any more sins He has to pay for. He doesn't have any more sinners He has to ransom. The saving work of Jesus on the cross is done. And Jesus is calling us to come and rest in that finished work. Friends, when we worry, when we worry, Jesus is calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross. For if God has not spared His own Son, how will He not also with Him give us all things? When we sin, Jesus is calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross. For He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we suffer, He's calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross. For by His wounds we are healed. When we stray from the Lord, Jesus is calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross For the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. When we doubt, Jesus is calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross. For God showed His love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we are hopeless, Jesus is calling us to rest in His finished work on the cross. We have a sure and steady anchor, a hope that entered behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. Jesus' work on the cross is done, and He's calling us to rest in Him. Maybe you've never come to Jesus. Maybe you've never repented of your sins. Maybe you've never believed in Him. Tonight would be a great night to do that. We are all sinners, 
Our only hope is the cross and the work that Christ accomplished for us there. You can never do enough. You will never be good enough. What you need is Jesus. And by His grace, Jesus offers Himself to you, even now in this moment. So why not come to Him for the first time tonight? Believe that He lived and died and rose again to save you. Trust in the finished work of Jesus tonight and you can be saved. Don't leave here tonight without receiving the gift of Christ's work on the cross for you. And for those of us in Christ, let's come to the finished work of Jesus again and again and again. It's our only hope, our only boast. Come and rest in the finished work of Jesus. Let's stop living like Jesus is still on the cross. Brothers and sisters, the price has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. The work is done. Rest tonight in Jesus. You know, Luke finishes our passage with the Sabbath here. He's the only gospel writer that mentions them resting on the Sabbath. And we've already seen how that points us to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus, just like God, finished his work and now he's resting. But the Sabbath also reminds us that the story is not done. Death is not the end. You see, Jesus is resting here on this Sabbath day, but he is also waiting. Jesus is waiting for the coming dawn. You know, the Jews had long seen the Sabbath not just as a day of rest, but as a day of hope in eternal rest, hope in a new creation. When we look at the story of creation in Genesis 1, we see this phrase over and over again. It was evening and then morning the first day. It was evening and then morning the second day, and so on, until we get to the seventh day. When we get to the seventh day, there's no description of evening and mourning. And for centuries, the Jews saw this as a sign pointing forward to a better Sabbath, a better creation that would come. And in fact, this is the great hope of the Bible, that one day God would bring about the dawning of a new day, the dawning of a new light, a new creation, a new hope. And here on this holy Saturday, on this Sabbath day, Jesus lays lifeless in the grave waiting for the coming of that dawn. Jesus has laid down his life and he is ready to take it up again. He's ready for his light to shine in the darkness. He is ready for the power of sin and death to be broken. He's ready for his enemies to be put under his feet. He's ready for our sorrow to be turned to joy. He's ready for our mourning to be turned to dancing. He's ready for our hope to become a reality. Jesus is resting, but he's also waiting. And that's where Luke leaves us tonight. And so that's where I'll leave us tonight. We've seen that Jesus is worthy of our costly devotion, so let's treasure, let's treasure Him together. We've seen that His work on the cross is done, so let's rest in Him forever. And now, at the end of chapter 23 of Luke, we see that Jesus is waiting for the coming dawn. 
So let's remember Jesus tonight. And let's celebrate that coming dawn forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. God, where would we be without the finished work of Christ on the cross? We would be hopeless. We would be condemned. We would be doomed to eternal punishment. But Lord, you have shown us great mercy and grace and love. You gave us your only son. He laid down his life so that we might be rescued, Lord, so that we might have no condemnation over us. And so tonight we remember our Savior and we thank you and we praise you for his gift. Lord, may we seek to be a people who respond to that gift with a costly devotion. Lord, help us to give everything to Jesus in response to him giving everything to us. Lord, we pray for those here tonight who may not know Jesus. God, may tonight be the night of salvation. May tonight be the night where they clearly saw Jesus who died and who was buried and who rose again to give us an eternal hope, to cleanse us and forgive us of our sins, to give us an eternal life with him forever in heaven. Lord, and for those of us in Christ, may we rest in that finished work Again and again, may we give our lives in costly devotion to our Savior. And may we forever celebrate the dawning of the morning that's waiting for Jesus here in the Gospel of Luke. We thank you for our Savior and we pray these things in his name. Amen.